Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here with you all. I, uh, I thought I knew what I was getting myself into because I, I've done this once before. See, the hike is about 15 miles round trip, give or take a few, whatever trail you decide to go on. Uh, there's over 8,000 feet in elevation that you gain on this thing. It is an all-day experience. And I'm not a morning guy. Anyone in here morning people? Those of you online, you're, if, you're not, if you're online and you're not a morning person, you're not watching. You'll be at the 11. But uh, for, this, for this adventure... <laughs> I'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning for this and I'll be psyched. I'm ready to go. And so I did it once before with my brother. We got, super, we got up super early, got all of our stuff together, got my camel back, got my trail mix, got all the snacks, the protein bars, you name it, we had it, right? And so throw it all in the camel back and boom, we start going and we're hiking and we're hiking. And I, I remember those sections of the trail where it was just sunny and bright and there was no shade. It was just so hot. And then you can look off in the distance on the horizon and you can see the trail make a sharp left. And then you make a left and boom, there's water. And you jump in the water and you cool off and you're soaking wet and it's a dusty trail, but you don't care because you finally cooled off. I remember those spots where you can just kind of float for a little bit and let the stream take you. Those shady spots. I remember those other spots where you climb up the hike and you think, we got to be there. We got to be there. We'll come around the corner. And then you look and you say, oh no, there's another mountain you have to climb. And so when I got the opportunity to hike Half Dome in Yosemite National Park with a couple buddies from church, I was in. It is one of my favorite places in the entire world. If you walk into my office, the first wall that you see is a mural of Yosemite Valley. It's beautiful. The granite cliffs are the highest thing I've ever seen before in my life. And so a bunch of guys from church get together and they say, hey, we're doing Half Dome. Are you in? I am so in. And I thought I knew what I was getting myself into because I've done it once before, but turns out we were going to do this differently. See, I had hiked Half Dome in one day. You get up super early and you charge the hill and then you get back super late and you, you're, you're just, you're a dead man. You're exhausted. These guys decided, Hey, let's have a little fun along the way. We're going to go backpacking. I had never gone backpacking before. So I did what every good person does when they're brand new. I went to something called YouTube university. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos of what you do, what you pack, how you carry your backpack, how heavy is it supposed to be, how high on your back does it sit, how low should it be, what's the packing order, because you don't want to put your tent and sleeping bag on top of all your snacks, right, and put the snacks at the bottom, then you have to unpack everything to get to the snacks. Some of you inside, I can see your faces, you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense, that's what I did wrong. And so I got all my stuff together, we carpool, we're in Yosemite Valley, and we meet up with the rest of the guys, and I'm new at this, right, I'm new at this, so I've got everything in bags, and I start looking around and watching how other people are packing their stuff, right, tent first, sleeping bag second, and on and on and on and on and on we go. And so I start packing everything in there, and I'm looking around going, well, that guy's not packing as many things as I am. That guy doesn't have as many snacks as I have. And I look around, and I'm like, that guy doesn't have a whole lot of water. It's like, hello, it's summertime in Yosemite, and we're doing a 15-mile hike. I know we're going to stretch it out, but you're going to get thirsty along the way, right? Like, everyone knows. You just, you bring water. That's what you do. So I have three Nalgene's and a Camelback, three liter. I'm good to go, baby. I got water for everybody, even the wildlife that's there. I'm like, I got you. It's hot here. Enjoy. So we've got everything together and we start hiking on this thing. And I'm telling you, if you've never backpacked before and you have a full backpack, holy moly, it is heavy. And so I'm like, I got this. It's a group of guys, right? So we're all like, you know, fake machismo. Like, no, it's not that big of a deal. We can go. And, you know, and I, I started somewhere in the front. And then as we, you know, a couple miles, I start 
slipping back into the middle and then a couple more miles and I'm dead last and I am wiped and I'm drinking water like a good thing. So the leader of the trip, he comes alongside me and <laughs> I'm sure he was tired of hearing me whine and complain. But he's like, Steve, what's going on? I'm like, oh man, my, my pack is so heavy. I don't, I don't know what to do. It's, you know, sweat is just... I'm just sweating. It's gross. And so he's talking me through it. And then finally he goes, let me see what you got. And so he starts pulling things out. He starts pulling everything out. He's like, oh man, you don't need these. I'm like, that's socks and underwear. Like I need those. That's necessary. And he goes, yeah, it's necessary, but it's a five day trip. You don't need five pairs. You need two. I'm like, that's gross. And he said, no, you need two, one to wear and one to dry. And then the next day, Cycle them up, baby. Just switch them out. That's all you do. He starts going through the list and he's like, how much water do you have? And I start, well, I got this one and this one and this one. And then I got a camelback that's full. I was just really thirsty. It's hot. I just, and he looks at me and he goes, you don't need that much water. You need one Nalgene bottle. And I'm like, what? This is a 15 mile hike. And I know, like I said, we're breaking it up, but this is a journey, man. We're going on an adventure. And he goes, no, 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 you don't need that. We've marked out all the spots where you can fill up. And I said, well, I don't have a filter. I, I, I can't, you know, make the water drinkable. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. Johnny's got it. <laughs> oh, that would have been nice to know. And he said, oh, it's in the email. Did you read the email? I didn't know the email was that important. How many of you, quick side note, uh, when you get an email that's more than like a paragraph long, you just check out anybody? Okay, a couple of us. Yeah, so that's what I did. And uh, so my coworker's like, oh, that's why he never knows what we're doing. Okay, so we're doing the packing list and he starts looking at me and he's going through all this stuff. He's like, you don't need your toothpaste. You should have left that at home. And I'm like, that's gross. And he says, yeah, but he's got toothpaste for everybody. There's 12 dudes. Not everyone needs the full thing. You just break it up. And he says this, and this is going to be our... our, our our turning point here. And he said, you got confused on what is essential for the trip and what is non-essential for the trip. And this is so true for all of us in every aspect of our lives. There are certain things when you go to school, you think that this is essential. Come to find out halfway through the semester, it's not that big of a deal. It might be necessary. It might be good. It might be very helpful, but that's not essential. Certain things at your job, you're like, they give you the full job description, the first day of the orientation, and everything is important, right? And if everything is important, that means nothing is important. But they give you, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Here's everything you have to do. But at the end of the day, you kind of want to know, like, what is essential? What must I do? What must I do? And you can do this through every aspect of your lives. But I've found this to be especially true when it comes to Christianity and following Jesus. We have to figure out what is essential and what isn't essential. And this is where our, our sermon series takes off. And I know some of you are sitting there going, oh man, like what's going to be, what's going to be essential? We've chosen six things. That's all. We just picked six things that were essential. And some of you, you're going to play the game and go, well, I hope they mention this because this is essential. Maybe. It might be good. Listen, it might be good. It might be helpful. It might be very important. It might not be essential. And so... With everything going on in life, by the way, those of us for 2020, we had some plans and some things that we thought were going to be essential for our life in 2020, all to come to find out, eh, can't even do them anymore. <laughs> that vacation that you had planned in Canada, how essential that was, whoops, <laughs> not anymore. So in this series, because you've thought about this, right? I, I, I can't be the only one that's thought about this. Like, what is, when it comes to Christianity, to following Jesus, and even to the Bible, what's essential? 
What's the essential belief? What's an essential action? Like some of you, you've read the Old Testament before and you're like, okay, how many, there's over, I don't know, 300 and some odd rules in here, all these commandments. What are all of these essential? For sure the big 10, right? The 10 commandments, those have to be essentials. But what do we do with the other ones? Do we throw those out? Do, do we keep them? Do we put them in? Uh, what about Jesus, right? So Jesus goes, okay, so Jesus is the son of God, but he's also God. Is, is, he, is he both? Is he one or the other? What we, how, how essential is that belief? And if you've ever had any questions about what it is to actually follow Jesus, what is he inviting you into? This is the perfect series for you. Because we're going to spend six weeks and we're going to walk through and say, this is what it means to follow Jesus. These are the essential things. And so... Our big word for the day, the very first thing, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've ever had questions of what it looks like to follow Jesus, or if you've ever been confused about what it means to follow Jesus, I got a word for you this morning. This is going to be the first and foundational thing. Everything else in this series builds off of this one word. And the word is very, very simple. The word is grace. So grace is one of those things. It's, uh, it's better experienced than it is defined. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, the, the historical church definition for the word grace is unmerited favor. Then you're like, yeah, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> we don't use unmerited favor in our conversations, do we? It, it's not, it doesn't come up on a regular basis. Maybe when you're, you're having church conversations, but that's, that's about it. But if you've experienced someone being gracious to you, or if you, were, uh, if you were caught by the police and you were supposed to get a ticket and you got off the hook without getting a ticket, you, my friend, have experienced grace. Grace is it's, it's better experienced than it is defined. Here's, I think, a better definition for us. It, it's, it's from Dallas Willard. Uh, and it says, he says this. He says, grace, grace is this. It's God's action in our lives to accomplish in us what we cannot accomplish on our own. And that's easier for me because I hear unmerited favor and that's one of those like stained glass church definition things. It's kind of, I, I need some skin on it. I need to touch it, to sniff it, to feel it. I, I have to interact with it. I have to see what that looks like. But I like his definition of God's action in our lives to accomplish in us what we cannot accomplish on our own. And I love that because there's a lot of things in my life that I've tried to accomplish on my own, but I can't. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution to lose weight and you didn't? Those of you online, type away, because come on, this is church. I know you're online, but you got to be honest here. Um, what about this? How many of you, you have, uh, there's, there's just that, that one coworker or family member. We can do this as well. Uh, or someone on your team, whatever the case is. And like your patience just wears a little thin with them. And you have prayed before the softball game or before the team meeting or, or whatever the case. God, grant me patience. Help me not to get frustrated with this person. And you even talk to other people and you say, hey, I need you to hold me accountable to this. Because every time they say something, I just, boom, something, a fire is ignited inside of me. And you go into that meeting and you're like, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then they open the floor for ideas. And this person has an idea of what the, the business should do or how the team should operate. And you, boom, there it is. And you're like, ah! Am I the only one? <laughs> Not at this church, though. Grace is God working in us to do something that we couldn't do ourselves. And it's a powerful thing. It, and I love that definition because it absolutely has to do with the spiritual realm of being in the presence of God, of receiving salvation, because we can't do that on our own. But, but I love this because, listen, listen, it's... It's better than just salvation. 
It's, it's better than just heaven when you die. It's this idea of starting your eternal life now and God helping us throughout the journey. It's, it's grace. And I love it. And everything, everything in the Christian life builds upon grace. Because if you could do it on your own, you would have. Are you with me? You would have. If that addiction that is winning over you, if you could have beat that thing on your own, you would have. You need help. You need, you need grace. And so the most essential thing out of all the essentials that we do in the next six weeks is this idea of grace. Now, I want to walk you through something that uh, I learned as a young kid in church. I was in children's church. And uh, it, it's called the Romans Road. And it's a very simple, simplified version of basically the gospel story of what Jesus came to do and how you and I can experience God's grace in our lives. So, uh, and here's what's fascinating about it. It's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul uh, hated Christians, supervised the murder of Christians and the persecution thereof. And then Jesus, like he does with so many of us, just gets a hold of our lives and boop, does a huge 180. And this guy, who was completely against Christians, became one. And not only that, he became one of the primary leaders of the church. He's written about half of the New Testament. And so the Romans Road takes the book of Romans, the one that he authored, and it breaks it up. It picks a couple verses uh, from a couple different chapters, and it just sort of walks through the church story, the gospel story. These are the things that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know this, you believe this. And if this is new to you, what I want to do today is simply lay the groundwork, put everyone on the same page because this is, in fact, the first week of our 10-week sermon-based small groups. And so we're going to level the playing field for everybody. And we're going to talk about grace. Because everything flows from grace. So it starts like this. Excuse me. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what you need to know in your brain, maybe you can take some notes off to the side or whatever. You need to know this, that everyone sinned. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. Isn't that great news? It's terrible news. But it's true. You know this, right? Like, I don't have to convince you. You're a sinner. If God's standards are here, there's no way we can match up to God's standards. There's no way. Why? Because we're not God. We've all fallen short of those things. And take take the spiritual component out of this thing. Um, We fall short of our own standards and values all the time. Those of you who are parents, you see this on a regular basis with your children, don't you? You're like calm and compassionate and grace-filled, and I'm going to lead by example until one of your kids frustrates you, and then boom, you go off the rails. You need some grace. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all fallen short of our own standards. And I I know you're a good person, and this has nothing to do with like you're a good person, bad person. I'm not even having that conversation today. I'm just simply saying if God's standard is here, we're, we're here. There's, there's no way that we are on the same level as God. Because again, if we were, we wouldn't be in this issue in the first place. So, number one, all have sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. Now, Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And sin always leads to death. That's what that verse says. There's some more good news for you. So, you're a sinner and you deserve to die. 
So far, so good. Glad you came to church. Thanks for watching online. This is the story that we rally around every single week at church. You should come join us. It's wonderful. But again, I'm not trying to convince you of something you don't already know. You may have buried that deep inside, but you know this is true. You might not like it. That's a whole other issue. But this, this is true. We've missed the standard, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if, if sin leads to death, that means something has to die. And have you ever wondered why, why does there have to be death? Like why are the wages of sin death? Why can't, why can't it be like time out? <laughs> you get sent to your room or something like that. Maybe feel ashamed of yourself for a little bit. The wages of sin is death. And so this means something has to die. So you and I, if we're sinful people, connect the dots with me, this means you and I, we need, we need to die. Or something has to die in our place. And in the Old Testament, they would do sacrifices. They would take animals and sacrifice them. And that was the death. The scapegoat, if some of you are familiar with that phrase. So, maybe, maybe I don't have to die, but something could die. Which means, maybe, if you were so loving, you could die for me. But if, if you died for me, and let's be clear up front, there's no way I'm dying for you. I love you, but I'm not doing that. But if you felt, you know, moved to go and, and, and die in my place, that would be great. But that means someone has to die in your spot. And someone has to die in their spot. It's like this Russian doll thing. It just, it just keeps going and going and going and going, and there's no end to this. But what if, what if there was someone that was perfect, that was sinless, that had not sinned? What if... What if they could take on the sins of humanity so that you and I didn't have to die? Because you understand that in order to be in God's presence, God God is holy. He he can't have any impurity in him. He, He cannot associate with it. So no living sinful thing can be in God's presence. So something has to die. So he sends his son Jesus. And Jesus dies in our spot. And Romans 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what the church has believed for thousands and thousands of years. This is, this is grace. I'm a, sinful, sinful, man, I'm a sinful person. The wages of sin, it's death. Something has to die. And God in his love, in his endless pursuit for me, in his endless pursuit for you, and his endless pursuit for the world sends his son Jesus to die. Which means, friends, this is really good news because it means you and I don't have to. That's amazing. It's really good news. Then Romans 10, 13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you call out and say, Jesus, I accept Your grace, I accept your love. I believe in you. You're calling on the name of God. You are saved. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus, and they were struggling with the same idea of like, how how does this whole thing work? How does salvation work? What do we do? Do do you earn this thing? Do you receive this thing? What do you do? And he summed it up this way, and it's a beautiful verse. And I want to encourage each of you, memorize this verse this week. Try it. It's fairly short. I think you can do it. But he says this uh, to the church in Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, "For, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourself. It is a gift. Underline, circle, highlight, arrow, star, smiley face, whatever you do. It is the gift of God. So in your notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, every great gift demands a great response. And I would say this is a really good gift. I would say this is a great gift because this is a gift that you and I cannot give to each other. This is amazing. The only thing you can do with this gift is you receive this gift. Now, if you're like me and Christmas rolls around uh, and sometimes you get gifts from people and you didn't buy them a gift. And it feels a little awkward. What do you do? Do you not feel that obligation to go out and get them something? You're like, oh, it's in the mail. Uh, COVID, shipping's going to be a little late. Sorry. And really, it's you like, oh, no, I got to get them something, right? And you're like the pile of gift cards. I don't have one. What do you do? You just, you receive this gift. There's no obligation for it. There's a beautiful story that I love. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Don't flip there. Just just listen. I think this is great. Uh, Jesus is, is on the cross, And next to him, on his left and on his right, are two thieves. And they are guilty. And for their crimes, they deserve death. And the Gospel of Luke says it this way. Luke 23, verse 39. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Jesus, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. I love this because there's nothing that that man could do. In response, he couldn't prove that he was worthy of it because we know he wasn't. He couldn't have a dramatic uh, repentance story where he receives it and he no longer steals. And in fact, he starts a nonprofit to go and fight thievery, theft, thievery, st- stealing. Like you can't, you know what I mean? Like he's going to die probably that afternoon. All, all this man can do is simply receive this gift. And he lived a lifetime of sin. And the world looked at him, and he may, the world may look at you and I and go, yeah, you're a good person, you got some bad stuff, but overall, you're a good person. Some of you, you're great people. But the world looked at that guy and said, you're not. You deserve death. And this man cries and calls out to God. And Jesus says, I got you today. You'll be with me in paradise. All you do is accept this gift. So, which begs the question this simply, um, how do you actually accept it? Is there a secret handshake? What's the code word? What do you do? Is there a members only card? Like what, how do you do this? How do you accept it? Number two in your notes, you accept God's grace with faith. You put your faith in what Jesus has done. In what he said, in how he lived, You put your faith in everything that he has done. You accept God's grace with faith. Now, again, faith is one of those churchy words. It means a couple different things depending on, I don't know, the mood you're in really that morning or what this guy says versus what that guy says. But I I like to substitute the word faith with the word trust and simply ask you and I the question. Here's the litmus test of whether or not you have received the free gift of God's grace in your life. It's simple. Are you ready for it? 
Okay, Kurt's ready. The question is simply this. Do I trust Jesus enough to do what he said? If the answer is yes, you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. If the answer is no, then maybe you haven't. See, there, there's a difference. See, faith, you can intellectually ascend and go, yes, I, that makes sense to me. I understand the story. I understand the formula, right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? Uh, I'm a sinner. I deserve death. And then Jesus, right? And it, it just feels like this formula thing. But this is a relationship that Jesus is inviting you and I into. So the question is, do I have enough faith? Do I have enough trust in Jesus to do what he said? The things that he defined as good, do I trust that those are in fact good when the world outside of Jesus is screaming that it's bad, irrelevant, a waste of time, um, old school, oppressive, or, or is it good? Do I trust him enough to do what he said? Do I trust him enough? Uh, do I... Have I put my trust, have I put my hope, my faith, my belief in, in his teachings? In how Jesus says we are to handle our money. Do I believe that? Do I trust that that is good? How he says we're supposed to handle our sexuality. How we're supposed to forgive people. How we're supposed to love people that are different than us. Do I trust that that is in fact good? If the answer is yes, then you, you've received this grace. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Do I trust the way that he says to live out my marriage? Is that, is it good? Is it right? How I interact with my children? Is it good? Is it right? Can I fulfill this? And I'm not talking about living a consistently sinless life. Friends, you're going to make mistakes along the way. But this is where God's grace comes in. It's not just you're saved and you get heaven when you die. It is empowering you to do things that you could not do on your own. And it's wonderful. And the third point for this, here it is, number three. Uh, if you follow Jesus, he will lead you away from your sin. And that's grace. Because it's, it's miraculous, it's a wonderful thing that you and I, if we accept this grace, if we accept this gift that we get salvation, we get eternity in heaven when you and I die. That's amazing. But what's even better is we get that and he will teach us, he will show us, he will empower us how to live the best life here on earth today. That's good news because some of you, you need this. I need this. Because there are roadblocks in my life that I keep hitting over and over and over and you have too. We need this. Because again, if we could have fixed this thing along the way, we would have. And we can't. You need grace. You need God's grace not because you just need heaven, although that's true. You need God's grace today because you need to change some things in your life. And God's up there in heaven going, I, my grace is enough. My grace is bigger than your sin. My grace is bigger than your predicament. You just have to accept this. You just have to have faith in this. You just need to trust that it is enough. And when you follow Jesus, when you accept that grace, he will lead you away from your sin. So here's the warning. Don't follow Jesus if you don't want to leave your sin. You will experience a lot of tension and discomfort. In your soul. But. If you're tired of the bondage. If. If you're tired of pretending in public. About the things that you think about. You see and you do in private. 
you need God's grace. If you want freedom from the things that have entangled you, you need God's grace in your life. And he will walk you away from those. You can read it all throughout the Gospels and you can look in the rearview mirror of your own life. Those of you who follow Jesus, you know this to be true. Jesus says, come follow me. And he's inviting you on a journey. And he knows the trail. He knows the roadmap. He knows where we need to stop and we need to take a rest. And he knows the areas of the trail that you just have to power through because on the other side, on the other side is something beautiful. And, and he knows what you need to pack and he knows what is essential and he knows what is helpful. And he also knows what is just convenient and extra and not necessary. And when you follow Jesus, he will show you these things. Why? Because his grace is so big. How insulting if Jesus would go, this is the way to live the best life ever. And then he left us to do it on our own. It's like he just dangled the carrot. If you just try hard enough, just try hard enough. And I know this, you can't, I can't try hard enough and just make things happen. But Jesus says, no, 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 walk with me on this. I will show you. I don't want you to, to try. I, I will help train you to be the type of person that does not keep going back to your sin. See, what, what I've done, I, I won't presume on you. I'll just share with you what I do. Uh, I have this sin in my life, right? And I'm going to try really hard. I, I, I don't want to give in. I don't want to give in. And I don't want to give in. And then I'm good for a couple days, maybe a week, and then I give in. And then I pray the prayer of Jesus. I, I, you know, I am sorry because I, I am. Um, it's the third time this month, but I am sorry. Uh, help me not to do that again. And what do I do? I go a week, maybe two weeks, and then I do it again. I lost my temper again. I got angry. I'm carrying this burden. I'm not forgiving. I'm not being generous because there's some really nice things over here on the side that I want. I think are essential for my life. They're probably not. And so I try and I try and I try and I try. And what Jesus is offering you and I through his grace is he says, I don't want you to try hard to not do those things. I want you to become the type of person that doesn't desire those things. You have to train for that. You need God's grace for that. Which, by the way, also gives you uh, some permission to fail along the way. Because think about this. God's grace is enough to cover that sin. Now, I'm not saying self-sabotage. Please, I, I didn't say that. Don't hear that. But you, you're going to make mistakes. This is a journey that Jesus has invited you and I on. The person you are today or when you started following Jesus is not the person you will become a year from now. You will make some mistakes along the way. You will probably sin along the way. And friends, I'm here to tell you that God's grace is bigger than that. And that's phenomenal news. What, what is grace? What is grace? Uh, it's everything. Grace, grace is everything. So the question this morning for you and I is simply this. Do we trust Jesus enough to do what he said? And if the answer is yes, then you have accepted the free gift of grace. And tomorrow, and even today, and the day after tomorrow, and so on and so forth, Jesus will begin the journey with you, leading you away from your sin, transforming your soul into the type of person that you've always wanted to be, that you know that you could be, you just needed some help along the way. That help is not a friend, it's not a self-help book, it's not something that you're Googling on the internet right now. It, it's the power of Jesus' grace in your life. And that is really good news. And so imagine for a moment, 
This is week one of a six-week series. So imagine for a moment, if, if I choose to accept God's grace, if you choose to accept God's grace, if we all choose to accept God's grace, the Bible says that there's a party in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. The music is playing. The band is just crushing right now. And everyone is giving glory to God. And it's better than that. Because you get salvation. Yes, this is amazing. Heaven when I die. But tomorrow when you wake up and you go to work or you face whatever challenge it is that you're going through, you do it with Jesus. And his grace will empower you to do things in your life that you could not do on your own. And I simply want to end and pray for all of us. That one, we would receive God's grace if we haven't. And two, that we would lean into it. The danger if you're a lifelong Christian is that grace becomes an academic formula and not a relationship. You go, yep, I'm a sinner, death, and then Jesus, and then salvation. Great, got it, check. But when you live in it, oh man, that's where the blessing is. So let's pray. Father, I guess first and foremost, thank you for your grace because we so do not deserve it. And so Jesus, today I... I renew my mind and I say, Lord, I receive your grace. I trust you. I put my faith in you. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room, those of you watching online, if there's someone that has not done it, maybe they have some questions, they have some some concerns. Father, I pray that they would choose to trust you anyways. And would your grace be so much bigger than those questions, those concerns, those doubts? Father, would our church Would we lead by example? The people here, Lord, that grace has just been this academic formula and and, and it's lost the life in it. Would you renew that in us, Lord? And Father, this week in our small groups, when we talk about this, I pray for transparent conversation. I pray that people would be open and that they would share what you have done in their lives. And God, would your grace permeate that discussion and those relationships, Lord? And today and tomorrow, would we look just a little bit more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And the church, and the building, and the church online, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing one.